Hi everyone, my name's Dave. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to the Alpha Stack Podcast, where you can get weekly discussion on everything sports stack. This is a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already at Alpha Stack Group. And don't forget to check out our weekly blog posts at www.alphastack.co.uk. Right, enough of the admin. Let's get on with the show. Just a quick note to say we'll be separating this recording out into two parts. This podcast will be the review from last week's games and a brief preview of next week's games. And then another podcast that will release separately will be a discussion of the scoring table as well as the community questions. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And we hope you enjoy the pod. Cheers. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alpha Stack podcast. We're on to episode 14 now. My name's Dave. I've got Jay with me. Jay, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. It was a good weekend, um, you know, regarding how trading went. Uh, could have gone a little bit better in sort of yesterday, but, you know, profit is profit. What about you? You're right, profit is profit, but I didn't see a whole lot of that this weekend. <laughs> it feels like it feels like it's been... Um, it, was, it was a very split weekend for me. I started off quite well, and I deposited more money and up my stakes during the weekend and Saturday and Sunday was a little bit tougher for me. Um, but it's all, you know, there, there are lessons to be learned there. So I'm not too upset at the moment. I just need to probably be a little less trigger happy. I think one of the things that we've agreed on um, in the early stages of football returning is that the, the new environment on sports stack is a little bit tougher than it has been previously, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, it is. It's It's definitely different, I think. Um, obviously the sort of liquidity providers are you know, quite rightly because you know they're trying to make a profit as well um, you know they're gonna tighten it up a fair a fair bit and I think I think we've probably seen a lot of sort of those late opportunities to to maybe short players um, maybe disappear yeah I've I sense that during some of these games the the opportunities aren't as clear as they possibly were. You'll find maybe with 15, 20 minutes to go in a game, the prices are pretty much tied to players' payouts now. And you're having to call correctly on their actions and specifically who is scoring or assisting because that's where you'll get the biggest price moves to actually make any money. I think otherwise it'll be it'll be tough. Um, so that's something for, for everyone on the platform to get used to. I'm sure people are, people will adjust over time. Yeah, um, I mean, I think, you know, when when the season, well, sort of when the new season starts, that that may change because I think what you what we're possibly seeing as well is the fact that, um, you know, players are just coming back from what three months off. We've got five substitutions. Players aren't probably going to be able to give it their all for ninety minutes, um, week in week out, if they're going to play the full ninety for this period of time because it's quite hectic. Um, so you know maybe they're taking all of those things into account and maybe we'll see it loosened up a little bit then um sort of what what we're thinking sort of mid-september early october for the new season sort of time yeah i mean there's certainly been a change in terms of i think the tempo and the style of football that we've seen as much as everyone's happy to have football back it does feel like the quality um across the games has suffered a little bit. I'd say there have been moments of class 
within some quite poor fixtures from the opening weekend. I don't yes. know if that's maybe unfair from 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 what I saw. Uh, I missed a couple of the games, but from what I saw, you know, say looking at the Watford Leicester game, it didn't look like there was a whole lot in that aside from the two goals, which are worthy of winning any game. Yeah, exactly. Sort of the last ten minutes. Yeah. Um, you could have literally just watched the last ten minutes, and you've got as much enjoyment as watching the whole the whole thing, really. Um, yeah, because it was yourself. a pretty boring game. Yeah, exactly. You could have just saved yourself eighty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, without that I mean anyway we've got quite a lot to cover in this episode so we might as well jump straight into the reviews now um, yeah. we can cover off the picks and then we've got a lot to discuss in terms of community questions Yeah. so should we kick off if we go chronologically we'll kick off with the Villa Chef U game which was the first one back after lockdown Yes. there wasn't really a whole lot to talk about aside from obviously the issue with Hawkeye um, yeah, so it was from a sports that perspective, it was sort of a, a kick in the teeth uh, in terms of uh, action to trade on, right? Because they yeah. just the game just petered out in sort of the first fifteen minutes, really, um, from my point of view. Um, obviously, yeah. Hawkeye, um, you know, God only knows what what was happening there. Um, I I don't think we'll ever truly find out. Uh, my suspicion is that you know it's been so long and somebody forgot to turn it on. Someone I think someone <laughs> forgot to turn the camera on. Yeah, uh, that that seems like the obvious obvious answer there. And they're saying that they've never seen that level of occlusion. I think was the word they used in the nine thousand fixtures that they've they've been using the technology for. But it's I, I'm it's surprised genius. by that, given given a lot of these a lot of these goals where the ball is being scrambled over the line, you've got people surrounding the goal, yeah. and it was and it was so obvious in the replays how far oh, exactly. over the line the ball was. So someone at Hawkeye either forgot to turn the camera on or purposely didn't, maybe because they had money on a draw. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but there's yeah, that's that's pretty much that. I mean, in terms of players, Dean Henderson did well. Um, he earned himself a payout. I think it was fifty nine p. Yeah, yeah, because Villa had you know some pop shots from yeah. sort of here, there, and everywhere, which is it's something to always uh, take into account, I suppose, um, with goalkeepers. Yeah, the, the chances don't need to be clear cut ones. In fact, yeah. it's almost better for them if 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 their team isn't giving away clear cut chances, and they're Absolutely. only having to stop shots from twenty twenty five yards out. Grealish was notably poor. Yes, he was, which was a little bit painful for me because I decided yep. to go long on him on the day. Painful for everyone at Alpha Stack, that one. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we all got swayed by his um, his pretty spectacular goal in the sort of in one of the warm up games. Yeah. Um, so that's that's obviously something to remember is that. Villa are just really not very good in general. So, you know, just because Jack Grealish is a bit of a talent uh, doesn't mean that, you know, he's going to be able to do it week in, week out for them. Yeah, I mean, they they don't have enough going forward, really. And I think with Grealish, the, the mistake I made was I gave it a few minutes in the second half. And in the second half, he came out playing more central. And I mm-hmm. thought maybe this is where we start to see him impact the game more. And although he did, I mean, this is, this is perhaps the perhaps fits into the, uh, the the discussion about the scoring table that we will have later in the episode. 
But there are a couple of instances where he was driving through midfield with the ball and he wasn't taking people on specifically, but his runs were taking people out of the game and he was opening the pitch up um, and opening up the the, the Sheffield defence for Villa. Um, And those actions where you look at it and say that is a moment of real quality and that sort of player that a lot of teams want in their uh, their lineup, he didn't get anything on the the scoring table. Mm -hmm. And... That is probably the point where I should have thought, okay, maybe we just we call this one quits and and cut cut your losses. Cut your loss, yeah. But I didn't, and I ended up I ended up selling pretty much at the bottom. I think he 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 knocked up a few a few pennies in with like ball recovery and and stuff right at the end, just right, after yeah. I cashed out. So I pretty much sold at the bottom. So that um, sounds about right. An early example of how not to trade um, <laughs> in in the in the return. Moving on, though, to the later game that day, City 3, Arsenal 0. Mm-hmm. What was the um, the narrative for you here? You you had shorts on a lot of City players, did you not? I I did. Um, so I, I started with a couple of shorts pre-game and took a couple more because, from memory, only one of my shorts, which was Gundogan, was actually starting. Right. Um so sort of about 30 minutes into the game, I took a shot on Mares. Um Who else did I shot? I shot at somebody else as well. I can double check. But um, essentially, once Man City went 2-0 up um, is when all the prices just started to... Basically, they jumped. Yeah. They jumped up so, so high. And I basically capitalised on that massively. Oh, sorry. Eric Garcia was the other one that I shorted um, oh. on the lineup. Yeah. Um, so I, I shorted him at like 46p. So that was great because, I mean, in all honesty, I know he went off injured and it was horrible to see, but that was in like the 80th minute. And by that time, he was only at 35p. Yeah. So it's, it's not as if I massively profited from the injury because I would have felt quite bad if that was the case. Yeah, it's um, not how you want to win, is it? But. No, exactly. It's part part of the game, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shorting Kevin De Bruyne at like 89p for me was an absolute no-brainer. Um, yeah. Just, just on the fact that you, you're fully aware that Pep is going to rotate everyone. Yeah. The question, the, the, the funny thing for me, I guess, is I, I worked on the line of argument that Pep will bring players off and I thought that with Aguero sitting on the bench Jesus would be one of the first people to, to go given particularly like in the first half he really didn't contribute that much so I was surprised that Jesus was pretty I think he was the last sub for City um, by which point they'd already brought off Laporte they'd already brought off well Foden had come on um, they'd switched a lot of stuff around and I was surprised yeah. actually that Jesus and Sterling stayed on the pitch um, as long as they did Sterling played the yeah. entire 90 minutes I was quite disappointed with Sterling staying on because I shorted him as well. Um, and he started to rack up a couple of points at the end of the game, which was really frustrating. Yeah, around the time around the time that I shorted Jesus, I'd looked at Sterling, but he was he was getting into Arsenal's box more than I really wanted to see. Whereas Jesus, every time City got up the line and were looking to cut the ball back, Jesus was never where they were looking to play it to. And I thought... I'm willing to take a chance here that he's not going to get on the end of anything. Whereas yeah. Sterling was just getting close to those balls going into the box. And I thought that's, that's maybe not worth the risk. Um, we can't really uh, 
cover this game without talking about David Luiz. What a guy. Yeah, I mean, he really, really, <laughs> really got the three points for City, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, what what more can you say other than the fact of he he's not a centre-back. Like, yeah, I, I feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah. I feel a little bad for him. His, his interview after the game was... It was admirable. Little, it was admirable. It was a little bit jarring. There's obviously something wrong there at Arsenal. I feel like the higher-ups don't want to give him another contract if he's saying that Arteta does want to give him another contract and he wants another contract. Like There's 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 something not right there. But um, Arsenal have got massive problems at the back and obviously David Luiz isn't, isn't the answer to any of them. Well, I wouldn't want to give him a contract. 300 grand no, a week. No, I mean... I, not a chance. I'd much rather pay Buffo and Carno 250 if, if I had to, like... Why? Why would you pay David Luiz three hundred when you could probably get one of the most, you know, sought after and upcoming defenders for a lot less? Well, not a lot less, but fifty k less. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree. It, we've we've <laughs> we've seen we've seen they make they make some funny decisions at Arsenal, and they, they probably have to have their reasons for doing that. But maybe this is a point where they start to turn things around and and letting people like David Luiz go. So that they could actually bring in some established younger talent is is probably going to set him on a good track. Yeah. Um, that's probably all we can say on that game for now. Uh, for anyone who didn't see David Luiz end up on minus ten, which is one of the worst worst payouts we've seen um, out there. So that was that was that was entertaining. Uh, Norwich nil, Southampton three. Did you have anyone in this game, Jay? I traded this a little bit in play. Um, nice. So sort of nothing, nothing to start off with at all, and I basically went with a a position on um, Ward Prowse. Right. Um. Sort of midway through the game, I bought him at sixty nine, and then ended up selling at seventy nine. Strong, strong. Um, good returns in play. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's one that obviously we mentioned last week um with Ben so he's you know he's he's great for just about everything cuz he is everywhere for Southampton yeah he is and i mean i think norwich looked aside from the the opening sort of quarter of an hour or so norwich looked quite sluggish and he's a he sort did. of all action midfielder who's going to win the ball carry it for his team and he's got Generally, in that Southampton side, he's got four decent, decent options, decent runners ahead of him um, yeah. that are going to be giving the defence a hard time. And you, I mean, we saw Norwich were, yeah, sluggish, giving the ball away far too easily. Um, and with people like Redmond and, and Danny Ings ahead of you, like Ward Prowsers, I think he's really carved carved out a good role for himself in that side. And yeah. had Southampton gone down, he he could easily have been going to another team. I suspect now he might stay because I think he's. Um, was he he was skipper at least on um, on Friday I think. Yeah, he might have been for a time being. I think it's I think it's a really really good call, and this isn't one of those things where I used to buy him all the time on Football Manager. Um, <laughs> but he he like he he does come across as you know quite a good leader of the team, um, and you know he's he's sort of that all heart player. Yeah, as well sort of. That's that's the way I see him on the pitch anyway. But yeah, I mean he's had he's had a sort of little 
bit of beef with Wilfred Zaha going back a couple of seasons, and I've actually out of that, I've grown to quite like him because when <laughs> when we played, we actually played him uh, Southampton earlier this season at Selhurst Park, and they I couldn't tell you who it was. It might have been Carl Walker Peters, maybe a right back, went off early. Um, injured and Ward Prowse had to slot in a right back and he didn't give Zaha an inch. Um so he sort of created this uh this little rivalry with Zaha and he had him in his pocket all game and I couldn't really help but admire it. So yeah. I, I quite like him as much as he's a bit of a prick, but there's a sort of player that you'd love to have in your own team um and hate when he's playing against you. So <laughs> is what it is. Um Spurs one United one was the late kickoff on Friday. Yes. So this was, I mean, this is quite an enjoyable watch, right? Even from yeah. a neutral perspective. Um, so sort of for me personally, I, you know, I longed Bruno Fernandes at like 57p. And in all honesty, if I was to show anybody my actual trade history on Bruno Fernandes in that game, um, I've got an iPhone 10 and it takes up the screen. The entire screen. <laughs> <laughs> of me constantly sort of getting in and out because I was just banking profit and then I was like, oh, actually, like, here's a free kick. Um, you know, what if he scores? Like, let me just get 200 or maybe 400 more. And, you know, worst case scenarios, I lose a little bit of the profit that I've already banked sort of thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, my my trade history on Bruno Fernandes was huge, but I ended up like plus sixty two quid on him, so like I'm never going to complain. No, that's um, good, nice work. But then you've also got like Steven Bergwijn and um, Son, who Son. had yeah. massive payouts. Um, yeah, which was like fantastic. Son more so because you know he's not the one who scored. Yeah, that I I actually hadn't really cottoned on to how involved Son was until half time. Um but his it was it was one of those things where his list of actions through the first half took up the entire screen. You having to scroll and scroll and for every yeah. ball, ball recovery and then his passes completed and his dribbles and all sorts. He was he was all over the place. And I mean we talked last week about Fernandez's style in terms of wanting to test a keeper at every opportunity. And this is quite a good example of how the scoring table works and how fine the margins are for uh, super stack users who might have been uh, might have been roped in for this game might have thought this was a good game to get involved with and maybe they backed Bruno Fernandez he ended up missing out by 1p to son with yeah. with a pot shot that went wide very late right on at the end of the game i know yeah um, so it's, it's it's a cool introduction to Superstack if uh, if you're a new user, but is I'd imagine if you were back in Bruno Fernandez in Superstack at that point, it would have been exciting, exciting to watch those last few minutes, particularly when he almost won the penalty, the, the second penalty. Well, like yeah, and that you know that was that was crazy, because um, like to be honest, it was never really a penalty. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. And to be fair, in, in his in his post match interview he he accepted that with grace and I don't know if it's because he was aware that he might have gone down a little bit easily. Yeah. But then, you know, he's Yeah, you know, he if you if you feel contact in the box nowadays, you know, who doesn't go down? There's very, very few players who are that honest and sort of will try and stay up. Um, yeah. You know, literally like, you know, I could poke you in the back and you, 
you're going to go down like you know a sack. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> an even an even more extreme example of that is probably the Villa keeper who carried the ball into the net on on live TV and didn't put his hand up and say that's a goal. <laughs> so. <laughs> It, yeah, yes. it, it is what it is. You, you've got to rely on the officials or whoever to, to do their job there. Not to dig out the referee on that one, because ultimately that was that was Hawkeye that failed, not the referee. All he can do is look at his watch and see if the ball's gone over the line. But um, yeah, so Spurs United was was a little bit of a turgid game, but then there were there were moments of quality, and it was interesting the second half just seeing how United were going to try and get themselves back into the game, and they were pretty much banging on the door for the whole of the second half, weren't they? They were, I think, um, sort of the other thing that people may look forward to a little bit more is uh, what sort of everybody's been talking about and what everybody, or at least what all the Man United fans have been looking forward to since the end of January, and that's um, Pogba Bruno. Um, yeah. As you saw glimpses of those two linking up and the fact that you know they can both make space for not just each other, but for the rest of the team. And you know that that could have you know potential serious impacts on how they do on sports stack. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I there were ine- inevitable comparisons between the two of them that I saw on Twitter after the game. And I think well, there's there's no doubt that Pogba is one of the best players in the world when he wants to be. But that's, that's you, you problem, saw <laughs> you saw you saw flashes of what he can do even in in his sort of not it wasn't a cameo i don't know half an hour on friday night but it's mm-hmm. when he wants to turn up and when he's not getting his knickers in a twist about um yeah about his contract or whatever yeah exactly um so you know if if he does turn up week in week out for united and he decides that he wants to stay now which is the apparent story um you know they could they could be looking quite exciting yeah, we'll see. We'll see what United can do going forward because that's obviously that's a very strong spine to build around. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, never mind how Roy Keane feels about Harry Maguire and David de Gea. I mean, I mean, we could probably just do a whole podcast on his, you know, his analysis. I feel I mean, like we, I feel like we could get on Sky Sports and do the punditry forum if that's what he's going to come out with. But well, I mean, I, I think. <laughs> Some some of it was at least fair about David Gea, to be honest. But it was it was entertaining, but I I didn't expect Roy Keane to tell us that he wanted to go and punch him. Like, sorry, I, I... sorry, hang on. For anybody listening, Dave has just said that he didn't expect Roy Keane to say that he wants to punch someone. We're talking about Roy Keane here. I I thought I thought he might have just had a little bit more about him with in in terms of his punditry because in the end you had. You had Patrice Evra trying to sort of be the voice of reason, yeah. and and Keen Keen wanted to get angry about anything and everything, and you know it came to like David de Gea making a pretty good save, and he was like, no, it was straight at him, he should have caught it, and it got to the point where I, I thought he was being a little bit of a kid. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe, but I mean, it, I don't think you can expect much more from Roy Keane. Like, maybe not. You know, he was. I mean, he he was hard. He was a great footballer, but he was more of a warrior than a footballer, as far as I always saw him. Yeah, in all fairness, I mean, his managerial his managerial career didn't go. No, that I mean, well, can can you it's... imagine him like in this day and age? Like he would only play twenty 
five games in the Premier League season if he stayed fully fit because he'd get booked every single game guaranteed. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> fair point. Um, but we should probably probably move on to yes, uh, Watford Leicester, where I suppose you probably could have you know forgotten about eighty minutes of the game and just watched the last ten minutes. Yes. Um, ultimately, those two goals were cracking. Chilwell's was one of the best finishes you'll see all season. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Rifled it into the top right corner across the face of the goal. And then Dawson equalised in the 93rd minute with an overhead kick. Yeah, which um, is, you know, you just don't expect it. No, not from a centre-half. And not um, from Craig Dawson as a particular centre-half. <laughs> yeah, true. Not the most athletic, but... No. He end up end up paying out seventy p. So you know, alongside the goal, that's that's well, without the goal, it would have been fifty p. Is had a decent game decent. there. Yeah. Um, the other one was Madison. Obviously, you had Madison in your picks, which we'll we'll cover in more detail in a little bit. But yes, he ended up paying out quite well. Uh, he did, he did, and um, I suppose we could you know bring this up now. Um, so despite the fact that I went. My pick was short on Madison. Um, probably about five minutes into the game, I completely changed my mind and I ended up going long on Madison. So I took that initial loss of sort of buying buying my shares back and then bought more to go long on him and actually ended up making 13 quid, which um, is a hell of a lot better than the potential sort of maybe 40 quid that I would have lost if I kept my short position on him. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, for context, there's nothing wrong with making your initial selection, watching the game unfold and deciding, actually, hang on, like, I've completely got this wrong. Um, let's Let's try and either mitigate the loss by... Uh, trading out early or or you know doing a complete u-turn um and going the complete opposite way because chances are you'll mitigate even more losses or you might even end up turning a profit yeah and that's, a- that's huge right there's absolutely no harm in changing your mind mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's about being i suppose humble enough to admit that you might have been wrong in the first place and it just allows you to make more money in the future yeah um, exactly so there's there's no harm in that and you've, you've got to say that's really good trading to see early on that maybe you've made the wrong call there yeah. and i mean it's, it's a sign because i mean madison particularly turned it on in the second half didn't he in terms of his payouts yes he it's did. a sign that perhaps that is going to send leicester back onto the right track if you've got you know, the more solid foundation with Ndidi back in the team, if you can get the more creative parts going, i.e. <laughs> Madison through the middle there, yeah. um, that will help turn Leicester back into the team that we saw probably before Christmas. Yeah. Like, you know, they also need Vardy to be vastly outscoring his XG, but anything's possible, let's face it. <laughs> yeah, it is. He can, be, he can be a very sharp finisher and he's shown improvements in that regard lately, but... Um, We'll see. We'll see how Leicester start to do over the last few games. I suppose. Yeah. 
who have we got to cover next then? So that was the earliest kickoff on Saturday. So the next game was Brighton versus Arsenal, which yes. was was all in all uh, quite a controversial affair. Um, yes, incredibly. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've just realised that Kevin De Bruyne is benched. <laughs> I've I've I saw the teams while you were talking, and I I had to pick my jaw up from off the floor. <laughs> Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, might make it might make for an interesting game. Otherwise, yeah, it could do. It could do. Um, thankfully, I I had a lot of bases covered with that game in terms of um, shorts. And by the time everybody listens to this, I'm either going to look an absolute fool or a genius. <laughs> we will we will find out. Yeah. Um, but no, Brighton Brighton Arsenal was. I mean, it was a great game for for me personally from a trading perspective because uh, I went long on Lewis Dunk I went long on Neil Mope <laughs> so like if there were two players that you know I could have gone long with from a Brighton perspective it would be those two right yeah so done well. yeah the, the caveat is that I sold all of my Mope in like the 89th minute that is a little bit painful yeah so although i still made like 34 quid um i had 600 of him <laughs> it could have been a lot better. so it, it could have been not even a lot better it could have been a hell of a lot better um and to be yeah. honest i look back on it and i think john i don't even know why i sold him because like he was only like two p above his payout, and I suppose the risk reward there is well, like what the hell, Jay? Like, <laughs> yep, is is one of those you'll probably kick yourself looking back on. But I mean, there 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 have been similar situations where I've cashed out thinking like there's not really much, um, much to be gained here. And the the goal did come a little bit out of nowhere, I think. It did. Given it did. Brighton, Brighton were making subs to try and stretch stoppage time out a little bit and just get to the final whistle I thought um, mm. that goal that goal was again a moment of quality um, yeah. Nicholas Pepe's goal similarly was beautiful a, a moment of quality fair. it was a really good strike uh, I suppose the bit that we sh- should mention very quickly do you have a view on the, the Leno injury <sighs> the incident itself I... I think when I when I watched it live and you know, this could be just biased because I was long on Mope. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, my natural thought was like, okay, he's he's gone for it. Um, and sort of my natural instinct was, as a striker, you're gonna go for it, right? Um, sort of yeah. like regardless. And then I think watching it back. Um, sort of more recently, I sort of think to myself, why, why did you go for it? Um, you know, it, Leno got the ball in the air and sort of Mope still jumped into him. I don't, I don't think Mope had a chance at getting the ball. That's that's the issue I took with it. And people are fair enough. People are going to say it was a freak incident the way Leno landed, but the fact is Leno would have landed on his own two feet and been absolutely fine if Mope hadn't jumped into him. Yeah, 
and I've I've come from watching basketball where incidents like that are few and far between. Obviously, players in basketball spend half the game up in the air, but mm-hmm. contact contact in the air in that way is is so frowned upon in the NBA because once a player is up in the air, they have no control over their own body. And the number of horrendous leg breaks you've seen where a leg gets planted and then and then the guy's leg snaps halfway up his shin. Yeah, um, I, I can imagine that more so in basketball. Yeah, you're talking you're talking about guys then who are often you know six foot eight plus and two hundred and fifty pounds or or more. Yeah, on so a it's it's a slightly wood floor. <laughs> yeah, on a wood floor, it's a slightly different kettle of fish, but the principle I think still stands. And so, I I really don't think we should be encouraging that kind of incident. Like you, maybe maybe you don't punish Mope for what happened there. But I do think he was at fault, and I think you should be looking closely at incidents like that in the future if you are the Premier League or whoever, because there's probably more of a risk than than you often see. And, nor- and normally, in those instances, a striker will jump and move past the goalkeeper, not jump into him. Yeah, I think Mope that's did, what I'm he did, quite used to seeing. He brought in more contact than there really needed to be, mm-hmm. um, and so I I am perfectly fine with Leno's frustration i i completely yeah. understand it to be honest yeah um, i mean i've seen news today that he's supposed to be out for 12 months and i don't 12? know i oh. don't know how accurate that is because it came from goal and right. so that could be you know absolute bs but until you know until arsenal come out and confirm it either way um we're not we're not going to be 100 percent certain yeah 12 12 months is uh is Painful. tough very painful. painful. Yeah, well, that's, that is a shame. I mean, moving on from that, the following game was West Ham Wolves, and that wasn't particularly interesting until at least the second half, when yeah. when Nuno made a couple of really effective substitutions. Yeah. So this is something he's quite. Um, I suppose it's something that he's gaining a reputation for. Yeah. Is you know bringing on the subs and the subs actually making a massive impact so um i one of my picks here was um james bowen and i i'm not gonna jared jared bowen jared bowen yeah sorry (laughs) um i i basically got out of him very very quickly um he had a really good sort of like first five ten minutes but what he was doing in those five ten minutes wasn't wasn't really giving me confidence, and what West Ham were doing was not giving me confidence at all. And no. I just thought, you know what, like Wolves, Wolves could steamroll West Ham here. Um, so I got out of him. And who else did I short? I shorted uh, Mikel Antonio, which was quite right. amusing. Because uh, sort of he ended up on fifteen p, which is brilliant, right? Um, yeah, you picked that one well. Yeah, but then I done like I I done pro- probably the worst thing imaginable, especially for myself. Um, in shorting the king himself, so that was that was quite painful, and I I shorted Jimenez thinking that he could potentially come off because Wolves were, they were going to have to make changes and it was either going to be like Jimenez um, or, or 
Joe Yotta. Yeah. So I ended up shorting both of them, and what I should have done was instantly trade out of the other one as soon as one of them came off. Yeah. And I didn't. I I left him in his run, and like you know, anyone can call me a you know blagger here, but I was literally on the screen, ready to trade out. <laughs> Um, as a Dharma Charo put the cross in. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those, I mean, Wolves do have the options off the bench. The way you say Nuno's getting, getting a reputation, perhaps it, it's credit to the Wolves hierarchy for building a squad where they've got serious options off the bench because a lot of teams don't have that. You know, I mean, if yeah. you look at... Okay, Norwich actually a really shit example. I don't know why my mind immediately went to them, but like... There are so many other teams in the league where they're making changes and it's just like the, the next be- best thing off the bench. Whereas almost with Adama, you've got a bench specialist. And yeah. I suppose you've got that with Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea have got a lot of That's depth in their front in their front line. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll see. We'll see shortly that Pulisic made a difference for them up mm-hmm. at Villa. Um, but yeah, Wolves, Wolves have really got depth. And yeah. they've got people that are ready to come off the bench and, and really turn it on. And yeah. Adama is a real weapon to have when you've got teams that are out of out of form, out of fitness, and you can bring oh, yeah, him on for the last twenty five minutes to stretch stretch out the game. Yeah, he's going to absolutely annihilate people. Yeah, I so I mean we we were all on the Jarabone train last week, right? And yes, I I sat through the first half. And we we discussed how West Ham could be better at home, not having any home fans. Except what yeah, it meant. That, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, honestly, I, I could see the rationale there, but what actually happened was they sat back for the first 15, 20 minutes and they didn't have anyone booing them, telling them to get out of their half, so they carried on doing it until half time. Yeah. And I thought that they would probably regroup at half time and come out swinging a little bit in the second half maybe try and change things up but they they really showed very little uh, the entire did, game they didn't do anything um yeah they they didn't they didn't do much at all so it'll be interesting to see how west ham cope over the next few games because they don't have an easy run of fixtures but they they showed next to nothing there and maybe they were missing Haller up front who at least offers them a platform to build from going forwards they they didn't look like they knew how they were going to build a counter attack with uh sort of with Antonio and Bowen pretty much leading the line. No. Um, we'll go on to Bournemouth Palace next, and honestly, there isn't actually much to say about this one. I was so surprised by how bad Bournemouth were. I don't know about you. I mean, I was just going to completely sit this one out and just let you enjoy the moment. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it's. It was almost a bit of a damp squib, the whole game, I thought, just because it was a moment of quality for Milivojevic's free kick. We played some really nice football for the second goal. But again, Bournemouth just showed very little. Yeah, they did. Given given you had Bournemouth, who are in a relegation dogfight, and Palace, who were were virtually safe and now I'd say are, Mm -hmm. I was surprised that we saw all the intensity from, from... one team and it was it was the team I wasn't expecting. I I thought we'd probably go there and Bournemouth would give us a tough time and you know we'd be, we'd probably play a bit more on the back foot. But we actually played um, sort of some of the best kind of expansive football that we've played for most of the season. Yeah, 
it was nice to see, but there's yeah, there's not really not really a whole lot a whole lot to add. I, as always, I bought Guaita and Bournemouth just didn't really test him at all. He finished on thirty six p and he just didn't have much to do. Yeah, I um, was I was similar. Like I bought Gary Cahill um, and basically in the first 10, 15 minutes, I was like, nope, I'm getting out of this. Like, I'm just going to cut my loss because there's there's no way that he gets a big enough payout. Because um, I, well, I mean, to be honest, I bought him at 47, I sold him at 41, and he settled on 41. Right, okay. So, I mean, and in all fairness, he got three CBIs in added time. So I think... I'm probably quite glad that I've done it when I did because I probably would have traded out a lot later on and made it a much bigger loss um, than the 6p per share that I did. Right, okay, yeah. I mean, with that Gary Cahill one, your your heart might have been in your mouth for a moment when they went to VAR on a tackle that he put in. Um, yeah. Do you remember it? He, I, yeah. I mean, he won the ball. I looked at him and thought there isn't really much to see there. It's, it's, it's a difficult one, you can, but you can't give a bloke a red card for that. Mm-hmm. He's, cut, he's come through and won the ball and the guy's ankle happened to be sort of where he was. And you can't, you can't necessarily control your foot the whole way through. That's, it's yeah. coming, it's, it was, his foot was coming up the other side rather than coming down into, into the bloke's ankle. I can't remember who it was he was tackling, to be fair. Um, yeah. They, off my head, but yeah, I there's think... not much to add. No, the other thing sort of for me personally was, you know, the fact that uh, Brooks and Wilson were playing together again, which filled me filled me with excitement from, you know, my Welsh point of view. But at the same time, shorting Brooks at 43p was like, great, he ain't playing like, he, he's not playing 90 minutes. Like, he will play 60 at most and, like, absolutely on point. 61 minutes he goes down with cramp <laughs> so <laughs> that that worked out absolutely perfectly and obviously he finished on 29p yeah uh, and i mean you know there were glimpses of what he is completely capable of because sort of in the first five minutes he he uh megged two of your players and sort of put a ball in um from yeah. from line which is like that's what he's capable of but not in that game on his first game back in a no. Bournemouth team that really don't have enough to in my eyes compliment him no i i'm i'm looking forward to seeing him back at his best because i think he's a fabulous player yeah but you know with all the time he had out prior to lockdown and then even if he's if he's got himself back to relative fitness he's not going to be match fit he's not going to be training against people who are match fit so it's it's a very long time to be out without any football and you know you're seeing Kane came back in the in the United Spurs game and was was similarly poor and it's anyone who's out for that amount of time on top of the the lockdown stuff they're they're struggling to come back in in any real shape so we'll we'll see him get there and you know it'll be next season probably start to see him at his best again yeah, uh, but particularly with Bournemouth struggling, he he might be uh, he might be elsewhere. <laughs> Hopefully, from my perspective, so, so long as he stays fit for Euro twenty slash twenty one, yeah, um, that's that's my main concern. Same with Wilson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we'll we'll hop on to the Newcastle Sheffield United game that was 
for me at least, a particularly painful one. Yes. Well, yes and no, but for you, <sighs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Sunday, Sunday, I wasn't able to give my full attention to the football, so it's probably a dangerous time to, to hop on shorting a load of Newcastle players. And ultimately, I think the game was kind of going to plan up to the point where Sheffield United got the red card. John Egan got, I think it would have been a straight red anyway, but he was only, already on a yellow card and he uh, got sent off for hauling down Jolinton. And then Ender Stevens made a horrendous mistake at the back post. I was short ASM and he nipped in. And mm-hmm. he actually, I mean, Dean Henderson almost almost made the save, but yeah, ASM, ASM came in and took his chance. And that was a particularly painful one. Um, yeah. from, just from there, Sheffield United didn't look themselves. No, I think, um, you know, Chris Wilder couldn't really get them back into that five-at-the-back formation. Um, yeah. Which was incredibly telling on sort of how used to that they are and clearly how they do not train with four at the back at all because they just looked at six and sevens, right? It was it's- just terrible. It's an interesting thing to see that obviously they've not had to really switch it up so much this season. Yeah. And where they're forced to, it wasn't clear what their plan B is. No, not at all. And yeah, it was it was crazy. Um sort of I was I was long on Henderson, which yep. you know, was going perfectly to plan. Um I was also long on Jack Robinson for about 15 20 minutes until I was like, you know what, he's just not even like he's not getting involved at all. He's not getting up there for the for the CBIs, uh, for the tackles or, or anything. Um so I, I got out of him. Uh like you, I was short on ASM. Yep. And I at one point I I was sort of short six hundred of him, then he scored. And at that point, my my profit and loss on him was something like my loss would have been somewhere in the region of like 120 quid, uh, which yeah. is a, a fair a fair whack. It is. And I I basically went with the idea of all or nothing here on this trade, um, and yeah, I basically ended up something ridiculous like 2000 short on him with my average buy price then going right up or average sell price sorry going right the way up to something like uh 50 59 and um, 60 uh, just with the sheer amount of shares that i was selling and um, so i ended up with like a 24 pound loss um because he finished on 61 right so in the, in the end Again, that is a very good bit of trading. Well, it's always worked out. It, it's worked <laughs> it out. Could've, it could've I mean, in all honesty, I well, I look back on it and I I do sort of think to myself like, what were you thinking? Like, if he scored again, like you you'd have been screwed, like epically screwed. Yeah. Um. And then there was that sort of heart in mouth moment, right where. <laughs> Where Opta gave him the goal that Joe Linton scored. 
Yes. Um, and like I, I knew because obviously I was watching it on screen, and I was just thinking, if Opta don't correct this, and like we we know sports that pay out pretty much within like a minute or so of the final whistle. If Opta don't correct this, like what what happens? What happens? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that could um, have been... Do I get on the phone that. to Nick and be like, come on now, that's clearly Joe Linton. Like, what's going on? Oh, God, yeah. It'd be, it'd be like carrying all FI's problems over to Sports Stack. Yeah. Um, um, that's, but thankfully, yeah. they got it right. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it could have made just that game really bad for, for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I was also short Almiron, I thought, between being short Almiron and ASM. In the end, I would I would at least catch... Something. I would catch I'd catch one of them being being subbed off. And I, I think, was, was ASM subbed off in the end? He was. I don't think he was. Yeah. He was. Yeah, he, he was, was but late. as soon as... Well, he, he was subbed off at the time Joe Linton slash ASM scored the second goal. No, it was the third, third goal. Third goal, third goal. Yeah. Richie. So Richie's this is this is something actually. Obviously, Matt Ritchie paid out seventy five p, um, scored a scored a bit of a banger. Um, I did think that Henderson, Henderson was a little bit out of out of position on that one. Yes, I thought he was. He'd beaten a little bit too easily at his near post, but yeah, he absolutely. didn't he didn't cop an error for the goal, which is fortunate because I was also long Henderson. That's how bad that game <laughs> went for me. Um, I yeah. traded out half of my Henderson at half time, and then I thought, well, we'll let we'll let it run in the second half. Um, and yeah, Sheffield United in the end were opened up, and they conceded far better chances than than they would tend to, and that's where that's where Henderson really sort of met his downfall, um, yeah. as well as everyone else, I suppose. Um, Villa Chelsea, Villa Chelsea was well, I mean, ultimately it was really all Chelsea, uh, but they were chasing the game for a little bit in the middle, weren't they? For a little bit, yeah. So um, Courtney House with. Probably the best way to score a goal on sports stack. So you have your shot, the keeper saves it, but he keeper pushes it straight back out to you. So you and get your plus five and then you bundle it in. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, and 25 Thank you very much. yeah, absolutely. Take that every day of the week. Um so that that was great from you know his point of view. Um and then you made a great trade with Aspilicueta, did you not? I did. Yeah, in play, I was kind of looking at where where are Chelsea going to get anything from and where are they creating all their chances. And Aspilicueta was doing a lot out on the right-hand side. I noticed in the first half, Marcos Alonso spent a lot of time in, uh, in Villa's half. But Aspilicueta, I think, was 40p. And I thought in the second half, alone he could easily cover that just with with uh, um, CBI's ball recoveries tackles what have you um yeah. and I mean Villa, Villa really didn't look like getting out of their half in the second half when <laughs> he he obviously assisted the first goal and I was um I was very excited I was watching on an LTV stream so I was a few minutes behind <laughs> and I think around the time he assisted the second goal I'd text you saying he's got an assist having just seen the first goal running <laughs> but when he actually assisted the second goal I, I hadn't yes. watched that closely at who had fed Giroud the ball. I'd seen it come from the left-hand side. Yes. And now I'd seen, I'd seen Azpilicueta get credited with a second assist. And I thought, no. So I traded out in a panic, thinking his price was probably going to drop by 10p in an instant when they, correct, when they 
allocated the assist to the correct person and then it was watching the replay <laughs> i realized it was actually his assist was actually him. um yeah. So I tra- I mean I traded out I think uh, I think it was a 16p profit so that was in the end it was a nice trade. That Had I cool. realized it was his assist the second time around I I probably would have just held on and in, in the end it would have been very slightly more but nothing nothing massive. That, yeah. that one was yeah that one was pleasing. I did I felt like I spent a lot of that second half trying to see where I could pick out any value and I yeah. found it really tough with with some of the pricing. Yeah, um, it was. Um, but also, you you actually weren't the only person to sort of be in, I suppose, disbelief that Aspilicueta got a second assist because um, Sportsnet Rich, who had basically traded um, Pulisic as, as a sub, got overly, incredibly excited thinking that um, uh, Pulisic got the assist for the second goal. Right. And sort of, I was watching it and just keeping an eye on the Slack channel. He was like, "No, it's it's Pulisic." I was like, "Pulisic isn't number twenty-eight, right? I'm sure he's like <laughs> number ten or something, something crazy like that." So like, I was looking. I was like, "No, no, twenty-eight is Aspilicueta." <laughs> and then obviously, like, they realised, and it was um, it was just sort of that disbelief moment that that you had really, um, sort of, you know, who was it that got that assist? Yeah, I, I still haven't worked out what Azpilicueta was actually doing up there, but I'm not going to complain. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, nobody knew what he was doing on that side of the pitch anyway. No, not <laughs> at all. We've got, we've got one game left to cover from the Which weekend. Is just rubbish. And it was absolutely <laughs> appalling. Um, the Merseyside derby where Liverpool could have won the league, but honestly, they didn't deserve to and didn't even look like a team that should be challenging for the title. Everton was, were were similarly dull, <laughs> um, yeah, but we were kind was, of expecting that from them. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's really not much we can say about that game because it no, was really, really poor. Apart from the fact that Mason Holgate beat Trent Alexander Arnold to the uh, super stack, which um, I, I imagine, like you know, Nick didn't have to pay out anyone on that. <laughs> It, it probably wouldn't have been many. Holgate was one I'd I'd been eyeing up before kickoff because I thought if if Everton do stop Liverpool here, mm-hmm. he's 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 going to be in with a shout of uh, of winning, uh, making making a decent payout just because of the way Liverpool play. If they're trying to stretch that Everton defence, he's going to be having to get about to make those interceptions and clearances and all that stuff. In the end, I didn't. I ended up long Firmino and he was subbed before um, much just much earlier than I was expecting Um, given they'd started with Mane, Firmino and Minamino out on the right wing I I don't know why I thought it was going to be I mean after actually Minamino come off at half time and you had Ox come on then you would have assumed Salah would probably have come on maybe for Mane well not even for that I would have personally I would have brought Salaron for like Cater and just off put Cater, back yeah. into midfield. Yeah, that could easily have happened as well. In the uh, end, Firmino came off early, and that that um didn't work out so well for me. Yeah, he brought Origi uh, on. He brought Origi on, and he actually moved actually moved Mane centrally. So I think that is something we've seen before, but I I wasn't prepared for that. Um, no, not in at all. this instance. Um, yeah, so that that rounded off a pretty poor day of trading for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> it wasn't it wasn't the best day for me um but it you know it was a slightly profitable one like, yeah very slightly you were talking yeah i mean this is the thing i think in the end if you want to trade from pre-kickoff and make money then you need to call the result right and i don't think anyone would have seen that newcastle result coming the mm. chelsea villa game was probably much closer than you would have expected um at least in terms of the scoreline and people generally, I think, would have had Liverpool down to, and they didn't. So, if you're trading just from kickoff, then that, then yes, there was probably a write-off. And actually, it was, if you if you're if you're active in play, then maybe you could you could have turned it around. But that's relying, kind of as as we mentioned, on changing your view based on what you're seeing, and not not. I I guess what I was guilty of at times was thinking this game could change in the second half and we haven't seen so much of that um, since kind of since the restart, I guess. At least yesterday, things didn't didn't seem to change too much in the second half um, yeah. in the way you might expect. Um, pick review. Pick review. Pick review. We're going to skim fun. over this because Dave won, so we'll yeah. now go on to the previews. <laughs> yeah, so that's, 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 a small, that's a small sort of um, thing to cheer me up this weekend. So, where I've lost money, I've I, I might I don't know like maybe I'll dip into the the Alpha Stack account and buy myself a medal at the end of the season if I if I keep winning the picks I don't know that does doesn't really make up for the fact that I, I lost money but you know no, it'll do. Like, I'm, I'm sorry but as <laughs> as Alpha Stacks um, at least CFO well, it's know, just financial not happening. controller or something yeah it's just not happening <laughs> it's just never happening I'm an accountant it's not happening I'm sorry I yeah. might. We can't afford that yet. No, that's fair enough. Maybe okay, cool. <laughs> right, well, okay, we'll run over the picks quickly. Uh, ben, what, did, did Ben beat you? I don't know. Uh, no, he did not. Thank God. <laughs> well, you come you come into the lines, then, Ben. This is what you get. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Ben, I mean... Ben was minus 24. Ben was minus 24. I think probably the boldest of his picks was perhaps Harry Kane. Um, yes. Based on how he played, uh, Kane Kane wasn't really at the races. So Ben was minus uh, twelve on Harry Kane, minus seven on Bellerin, and I I actually quite like the Bellerin trade, and it, it couldn't have it gone just went horribly through. wrong, didn't it? it? Got, yeah, that was that was that was quite unfortunate. Just you know, Arsenal being that under the cosh. What it did teach me actually is that perhaps where you think against a lot of teams, being a defender against Man City, you know, you you're going to have a lot to do. Quite often, the fullbacks just get the ball knocked around them. If you're defending against City, yeah. and I kind of, I kind of looked into that, and I was like, okay, so maybe where I'd, I'd looked at, I think it was Charlie, not Charlie Taylor, it was, uh, it was Barsley. I was looking at Phil Barsley because he was like a 33p buy, and I thought, okay, no, because if if you're going to pass the ball around Bellerin, you'll definitely pass the ball around Phil Barsley. Barsley. So, oh, yeah. so I decided to <laughs> leave. Absolutely. Um, and then yeah, Bulldog, Bulldog was a small loss, five p, but it, it didn't work out for him. Um, Jay, who did you have? So, uh, long on Bowen, who ended up at a 9p loss. Um, short on Madison, which obviously we discussed, but essentially uh, what we do with the picks is, like, regardless of what we got out from the trade, um, we base yeah. it on whatever we said we were picking on the pod and then their final payout. So, essentially, the short on Madison, where I made money on the picks, I lost 16p. 
Um, but then I, I made 15p on Bruno, so I ended up minus 10. Okay. I In the end, I, I was plus 16. <clears throat> um, I had Henderson, who, who himself was plus 16. I traded out, I think, a penny above that, um, but he had a good game against Villa. I had Hugo Lloris, who had particularly a good first half against United, and over once he got to about 55p sell I, I decided to sell half then and he made another save so i'd sell another half and then he made another save and his and his sell price was up around 60p and I, I cashed out the rest in the second half so fortunately i wasn't still in the trade when when they conceded the penalty um and then i had ishmael asar i sold him i just i cashed out of him at half time i was listening to to the game on the radio and thought oh, yeah, it didn't sound particularly... me at half time <laughs> Yeah, it didn't. It didn't sound particularly inspiring. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna try and get out of this if I can. And yeah. in the second half, actually, I heard him. I heard him have a shot on target quite early in the second half, and I thought, well, there's my luck. But it didn't get much better after that. He um he ended up on 30p. Yeah. So I mean, you probably was... called me all sorts at that point. <laughs> no, I was I was I was fine. And I'm, this is this is this is one thing to be fair actually with with that that question we had about the bad trades I've, i feel like generally i deal with um you know profit where i say where i've missed out on profit from trading out earlier or anything like that i don't tend to punish myself too much with it and i feel like i've, I've maybe i've just got used to it happening because i do it all the time <laughs> i don't know but I've, I've i feel like generally i feel okay if you know if i trade out of a position a little bit too early or something it's more it's more if i take a trade that i really have no business taking is where i i start to get on my own back and that's that's really where you can affect your decisions a little bit more um so yeah i i didn't mind that too much and you know i got out i got out at break even in the end so that was okay so i ended up on i ended up plus 16 because Saar and Lloris cancelled themselves out so it's basically henderson did the business for me um so that's all right we were actually talking, Jay, weren't we, about sacking off picks this week? <laughs> yeah. um, just given given the way the pricing's gone and the way the football's gone so far, um, obviously it's just a bit of fun. Um, yeah, but is. finding I mean, finding anything particularly, I guess previously we've been doing picks based on on finding good prices and who is it we want. Whereas based now it feels as well. Yeah, now it feels well. You know, you don't have much form to go on, and a lot of the prices are quite tight. So, yeah, difficult yeah, one. We've, we've struggled. We've you know massively struggled with this um, this week. So I think you know at the moment, you know, if if we get to record a pod and we decide, yeah, you know, we we've both got some some great selections, then we'll go with it. Um, but yeah. we're not. Like we said before, we're not going to try and force trades. Um, yeah. If we spot value, we're going to take it. But at the moment, we just we genuinely haven't spotted a huge amount of value um, in the markets. No, no. Um, I mean the the guys I have I've picked up a couple of guys this week, and that's mostly been based on essentially the performances of their opponents in previous previous games. Yeah. effectively or the guys who have played against their opponent opponents previously um so have so you picked up greater that's, that's what everybody wants to know i haven't i haven't picked up greater um and you know liverpool yeah well i mean it didn't work out for me <laughs> last time um liverpool liverpool are a bit of a tough one so with palace going away to um to anfield 
obviously, you know, they want to win the title, but they've got plenty of games to do that in, so that's fine. I I I don't know, you know, how they're gonna turn up, but I did feel like Gary Cahill at thirty nine P was on the cheap side, particularly Tasty. having seen Mason Holgate scored sixty P and you know, Palace Palace looked, albeit against Bournemouth, looked fairly comfortable defensively. So it will be a very different game for us in terms of having to keep, you know, Liverpool's front three in whatever form it's in. Um, yeah. Having to keep them quiet. But Cahill... Oh, Cahill scored. Who has? Mahrez. Oh, okay. He's been That's... terrible all game as well. I was going to say, I've not really seen him do much. Um, no. But this, I mean, this, this is a problem with short in any of these City players is... They can they can create chances out of nothing, yeah. And it suddenly it can suddenly do you right in. So, um, do you know who assisted? Um, it was a ball from deep. Oh no, it's Fernandinho. Is it actually? Get out, get out, Riyad. Oh my God, it's Fernandinho. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. <laughs> Well, there we go, banging on about my bloody Fernandinho short. That's a, that is literally the biggest trade I've ever taken. Oh, no. That's quite bad. Oh, well. Well, I'm back in Burnley for the win in the second half. No, this is, <laughs> this is, this is where you've got to make good decisions, right? So now I've got to do it live on air. What do I do with Fernandinho? Oh, is he offside? No, he's not. He's not? Oh, yeah, I was going to say you're three minutes ahead of me. Charlie Taylor, you've got to stop that. <laughs> Fuck's sake. So, right. Move, yeah, moving well, on we? to the previews. So, yeah. we've got Leicester Brighton um, tomorrow slash today, because you'll probably listen to it um, at some point during Tuesday um, yeah. before the game. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm assuming we, we both see a, a pretty solid Leicester win. Yes, I think I think that's fair. I think Brighton will be um, a tougher challenge than they might have posed pre-lockdown because they actually, you know, against Arsenal, they looked like they were mostly up to the task. Um, yeah. I've I've picked up Lewis Dunk in that in that game, and I I eyed him up in the previous game and didn't back him, so that I sort of left money on the table there, which is a bit of a shame. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he he did look quite solid against Arsenal. Obviously, got himself a goal. That's you can't bank on that happening every week, but no, I'm not. I'm, I I don't feel like the the wheels are fully greased at Leicester, so they're not necessarily going to run through Brighton. But um, I think I think Brighton will, yeah, maybe put up enough of a fight for for Dunk to potentially prove value. But we yeah. shall see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, um, Mopay at thirty eight p was incredibly tempting. I'm not going to lie, um, but I just. I'd still be Maybe eyeing I'm that overthinking one up. it. Yeah. No, I would I would still be eyeing that one up, I think, because you know, the the goal that he did score was a moment of real class. It was. Yeah. So I I I'm not offended by that, to be honest. Um But yeah, this I mean this is a thing, the prices are, are, are quite tough. Um what game have we got next? Uh Spurs West Ham. Spurs West Ham. Um Based on previous performances, you'd say Spurs should be strong favourites there. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Man City might have a penalty. Oh, 
wait is that still being that's still being reviewed is it yeah okay um right so no i don't think it has no this is this is the problem like we're recording the podcast and i'm watching this without any sound whatsoever (laughs) yeah getting very distracted uh Spurs West Ham, you'd expect a, a strong, a, a decent Spurs win there, based on what West Ham showed against Wolves previously. Yeah, 100%. Um, and it's you know, given you're not going to have any fans in the stadium, it's quite. Oh dif- no, he's given it. He's given it. He has given it. Oh, he's got. He's got the ball first. He's got the ball first. No, he hasn't. No. No, he's got his foot first. Oh, from that from that first angle, it looked like he got the ball first and then his foot afterwards. Fine. There, there's um, going to be if Aguero is taking this and he scores it. There's going to be a lot of people who've. Oh no! Don't be Mares. Oh yeah, Aguero's Aguero's off. Is Aguero off injured? Yes, this is going to be Mares taking oh, it. I've got Aguero, <laughs> and KDB's my captain. This week's been so bad. <laughs> Oh well, sorry everyone that you've got to listen to this. Let's should we try and crack on with the previews? I mean, um, I, I I don't feel like we've necessarily got a huge a whole lot of value to add on any of these games. You'd say Spurs should be should be comfortably in control against West Ham. Yeah. Um, you know we've seen Everton Liverpool game. Derby's aren't necessarily that interesting if you have no fans. No. So West Ham have got a huge amount to to give. Um, Wolves, Bournemouth again. Wolves are going for for European spots, and Bournemouth don't maybe don't have that much fight in them. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't look any further than a a Bournemouth. Sorry, a, a Wolves runaway victory there. Yeah, I, I really think that's can't. fair. I think that's fair. Um, Norwich, Everton, obviously. We've seen Norwich don't have a, they don't have a huge amount of fight in the middle. I don't think. And Everton, Everton in a way, I think play. Um, they've they've got that they've got that two up top that is going to keep Norwich's backline under under immense pressure when they're mm-hmm. trying to play around with the ball at the back. So I quite fancy Everton there to go and do something. I've I've bought Richarlison myself at fifty p. Um, okay. And, I feel like 50p is potentially a little bit expensive and maybe the thing that, that pushed me into that decision was the fact that Dominic Calvert-Lewin was 43p and he really has very little to his game in terms of sports stack other than scoring goals. So, yeah, Richarlison, Richarlison looked like relative value of the two. That isn't to say he was good value outright, so I might regret that decision, but we'll see. Um <laughs> Newcastle Villa, you know Newcastle are one of the best teams in the league, aren't they? Turning over Sheffield like that, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I I I don't know I don't know how to call that one because, I mean Villa managed to make more of a game of it against Chelsea than I think anyone anyone really expected. expected. But I that that's one that's one where I I think maybe the previous results don't necessarily tell you everything just because that Newcastle game flipped so heavily on a red card and then an awful mistake yes it did um, but that, that's literally how it flipped <laughs> it was it was so quick that's the thing I think my decision making was probably a little bit blurred by that fact mm-hmm. um, and I, I did, really didn't know what to do once Sam Maximan scored that first goal I decided to let Almiron run and I closed out Sam Maximan for just about a maximum loss Uh <sighs> Oh well, <laughs> um, 
Right, Man United, Chef U. Do we think Chef U are... No. You didn't know, you didn't hear what I was going to say. What Next. you were going to say was, do we think Chef U are going to come back with anything? And the answer is no, because they're going to be without Dean Henderson. That's a very good point. <laughs> I was going to say, do we think Chef U are... Um, I don't know, some variation of bottling it, essentially. Do we do we think that they're done? Do we think that they're bent out of shape and they're probably, you know, I no, don't know. They're, they're not going to be done. They're not going to be done I, at all. I, I, don't think, I don't think they are going to pull themselves together to go to Old Trafford and get any points. That's my view. Yeah, no, I, I personally can't see that either. No. Um... So, yeah, I'm I'm going for a Man United win there. Yeah, same. And then finally, Liverpool Palace. Can Palace ruin the party? Mm, mm. Maybe. I think there's a chance. Just if yeah. Liverpool aren't ready at the races, there's maybe um, a chance. Every, I mean, we know we know Hodgson will have will have Palace well drilled. Um, as I say, I've I've bought Gary Cahill for that game. Um, because I, I expect we are going to be under the cosh. And the interesting thing um, will be seeing Zaha up against Trent because Hodgson's done that before and Zaha had quite a good time against him. Um, yes. That'll be, that, could, that could be a key battle, but you know, there's, there's a whole lot more to Liverpool just than, than, than Trent. So there's, you know, we've got Benteke up against Van Dijk and, say, Matip, and that... that that doesn't seem like how <laughs> we're gonna win. No, um, definitely not. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But on that basis, we're not really doing picks this week. Um, I mean, Jay, if you if you find anything you wanna you wanna run against my three there. So if if we say my three are Dunk, Cahill, and Richarlison, if you wanna run anything against those guys, then you can tweet yeah. it out, and we can we can retrospectively run the competition for this week but it's been it's been quite tough this week so i think we need to get our heads around the trading yeah. again before we start doing these competitions yeah exactly it's um it's definitely a different different experience of trading at the moment yeah it has been it has been i'm hoping that other people have had a better time of it than particularly i have in the last couple of days um and yeah. you know the football the football won't stop coming at least until what Thursday so we got or is it Friday um, we've got off I think we've got Friday off we've got Friday off and then Saturday we're back with oh just one game on Saturday um, Villa Wolves which is a derby oh and one game on Sunday I'm, I can't get my head around this uh, this schedule yeah the, the schedule is um, the schedule is something else right. <laughs> yes okay so basically wednesday is gonna be no hold on what day am I... oh i've gone into july here somehow excellent i must be confused basically the schedule is uh is a bit crazy and yeah. we will be we'll be uh... doing our best to cover yeah, as many we'll... of the games as possible <laughs> yes we'll be trying to keep on top of it so hopefully we'll have a blog post for you guys um as you're listening to this on tuesday we'll have a blog post for you at some point today and yeah we'll be back next week with a pod uh then yeah have you got absolutely. have you got anything in you want to throw out there jay or is that pretty much it uh no no i'm good 
Cool. Okay. Um, keep an eye out for more YouTube videos if you do happen to be new to the platform. Um, we've started our beginner series as, couple, as well as a couple of other videos, and we will be adding to that over the next couple of weeks. So yeah. keep an eye out there as well. Um, all of that will obviously be on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, we'll catch up with everyone next week. Happy trading. And as you said earlier, gamble responsibly. I'm learning Absolutely. that now. <laughs> I didn't know already. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Have a good week, everyone. Goodbye. Cheers, guys.